Hey, welcome back to the Brazos Point living room. The three amigos are back together, and we are so glad that you are listening. This week, we are uh, in the Gospel of John again. Uh, for It's called For the One Who Questions. And I think we all have big questions. All right, but the first question I have for you guys is, what was a trend, hairstyle, or fad from your past that you're now embarrassed about? <laughs> I know there's got to be plenty. I'm, I'm not embarrassed, but I should be. <laughs> okay. Right? There's a difference between being Would embarrassed. Would your wife be embarrassed? I don't know. If I we put the picture up it. in front of people. I think she liked it. We were dating. <laughs> <laughs> we were dating, not married. I think we were dating. Um, so I got my hair, what's the word? <laughs> bleached. Yeah. So this is back when I had hair, because back when we were teenagers, I got my hair bleached blonde. So like think, in sync. You know, I mean, I've already got some pretty light. Yeah, in sync. So it was, <laughs> I mean, it was white. It was white-ish. Yeah. And you're a natural red. It was yellow. Yeah. It was very yellow. It was yellowish. More in sync than Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, what are you and it was like gelled and spiky. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, the, yeah. Um, mine, oh man, I've got a couple. One that I don't know, just recently, all of a sudden, I remembered that we did this and I wanted to crawl in a hole. But when I was in, I don't know, probably started in seventh grade, definitely in eighth grade. Um, and it wasn't just me, but there was a thing where girls would wear boxer shorts as shorts. Like, what? Yes. Like, no. in the, every one of my friends We grew did up this. in the same city. <laughs> this was done by ninth grade. Okay. That's when I knew you. You were, yeah, too, but, fo- you were too focused on the, the frosted tips. And before, yeah. notice, we did not grow up. To notice girls in boxer shorts. <laughs> we did not grow up in the same city. Well, yeah, whatever. At the same, yeah, we were in different. It's like like Jackson and Clute. Sure, <laughs> but anyway, I mean, and it was it wasn't just like the look. It was like we went to the Gap, we went to Old Navy, and bought men's boxer shorts and wore, wore them. them outside. Like they were your yes. exterior, yes, on your posterior. Yes, <laughs> I mean, you are repeating everything my mom said. Like, yes, she questioned it so hard, but. Like all my other friends were doing it too. I'm <laughs> nervous that's going to come <laughs> the back. Another thing that's embarrassing to me, but this was also, I was very proud of it at the time, is I had a bra on my car. <laughs> I didn't know that was what it was called. <laughs> she did. It was little, the, the little brand covering. Was Le Bra. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Which is French for the bra. The bra. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was I, like the covering on the front of the car. Yeah, yeah. that around. black covering in the front. Across I drove, the headlights. And- yep, a 1989 <laughs> Nissan 240SS. <laughs> you were telling me, like, you said it was so cool. <laughs> I was proud of it. From my perspective, when I was born, I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also, so were boxers as your exterior on your posterior. Oh, with your man. French it was, it was just as bad in the 90s. I had Puka Shell necklace. Oh, man. I, I can have, so see that. Yeah. yeah. I can so see it. I had, Tight like a choker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had baggy clothes. I had... He was an only child. He had whatever he wanted. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, frosted tips. You did too? Uh, oh, yeah. You did not. Yeah, oh, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so that's like dyeing your hair, right? Yeah. Not your fingernails. <laughs> um, what is that called? I use sun in. Jinko jeans. Uh, you have Jinko's yeah. legit. Were you a skateboarder? Yeah. Yeah, you were. Uh, <laughs> my puka shells. hockey player. He was a skateboarder, uh, hockey player. Yeah, that's where I was going. <laughs> Those are all fads. Trends, hairstyles. I don't know. Something you're all embarrassed bad. about. Yeah. All fad, all bad. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there are plenty of photos that are things that are even worse um, back in the day. But, yeah. But at least you didn't wear boxers on the outside. That's true. <laughs> Do you remember my car's uh, name? Uh, khaki was your first car. Yep, that's the one that had the bra. And then the periwinkle one was... Didn't you I think it? I called it Bandit. Huh. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Uh, and we're all embarrassed, except for Randy, about those things. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> You're that's proud of the him. only fad I can even think of you ever giving into. Is it? And I think that's why is. he doesn't do it. Right. <laughs> I like did it for youth camp. Like it even right. had a purpose. Yeah, so but. much wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> well, the reason I have us thinking about things maybe in our past that we are embarrassed looking back on is really because today we're looking at Thomas, one of the twelve disciples, and I just think. This is just so funny that that if you go through the Bible, there are people who are synonymous with certain things, hmm. uh, and because we have such a small snapshot, and we're, we we get these small little snippets, and then suddenly it becomes its own thing. I think about um, Zacchaeus is known as a wee little man. Wee little man. There's <laughs> there's one description, and it takes a life of its own. Uh, I think about nicknames. Like, we give nicknames to somebody, maybe because of one thing in particular. I think about John, uh, you know, the the Baptist. It's like, man, he probably just ate bugs like one time. <laughs> maybe even as a joke, but he gets included in there. And everybody's like, oh, he was crazy and weird and all these things. He and did I, do a lot of baptizing, though. He did, he did. So that's not all he did. That nickname's fair. I do more than baptize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, How about John, the amazing preacher? I'm a prophet. But <laughs> <laughs> I think about Thomas. Thomas is known as Thomas the Doubter, is his nickname. And or just Doubting, doubting Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. yeah. Like, am I eating Randy? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get there. <laughs> we will get there. So, I really had a second question for us to think about. You know, there's this one moment of Thomas expressing some doubt or having questions, as we're talking about today, and it just, over the centuries, it takes a life of its own, and now he's just always known as that guy. So, my question was, I was curious, what do you think our nicknames would be hmm. if we were in the Bible? And just like the one thing that maybe happened one time, it gets included, like Peter loses the foot race to the tomb yeah. and everybody's like well peter was a big guy because he's not fast <laughs> like what's the one have to be big to be slow <laughs> that's <what I'm> saying. <laughs> he's just slow maybe john's just really fast <laughs> maybe so joseph <laughs> i wouldn't know <laughs> speedy speedy joseph oh <laughs> uh, but i actually wanted us to give each other like something you can't live down yeah, mm. just like if we were just like this one thing maybe gets included would have been included in the story about you, and then you would forever be known as. Can we go positive instead yeah. of negative, like Thomas? <laughs> this experience. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, well, mine was negative. Oh. <laughs> For us. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I think it would be Randy the Hungry. Mm-hmm. I think in one of these moments. For the word. Yeah. <laughs> or for tacos uh, I can see one of these moments where they're like you know geez, they're going from here to there and someone's like talking about well, I'm hungry or food or something and it'd be included in there and then for centuries it would just be Randy the Hungry that guy was just always 
hungry. <laughs> to be fair, I went there before I even knew you were going here and said I was eating Randy. <laughs> you did. What about Shelly? I mean, probably Laughing Michelle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there'd be something in there about laughing. Well, and like she would be known as Laughing Michelle, but also she'd be known for laughing at inappropriate times. <laughs> like, Jesus will have just done something, and she's like, <laughs> and the rest of the room is in silent prayer. <laughs> inappropriate Laughing Michelle. Yeah, that feels right. <laughs> All right, what about Joseph? Oh man, I've got a suggestion. Let's hear it. Just the cynic. Mm, that's not positive. Well, it can be. But. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the downer. <laughs> I was going more towards like um, disappearing Joseph. <laughs> disappearing. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Wait, wait. Where'd he go? Where'd, Where'd Joseph, Joseph go? go? <laughs> He's on his way home. <laughs> He's in the isolation tank. <laughs> All right, well, when we get into the chapter 20 of the Gospel of John, we see that uh, Jesus appears to all the disciples. They're in a room. They've locked the door because they're afraid of the Jews. And Jesus appears to them in a locked room, and he just tells them, hey, look at me, I'm alive. Uh, <laughs> appearing Jesus. <laughs> appearing Jesus. Appearing Jesus is looking for disappearing Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I think this is so funny. In verse 24, it just says, Thomas, one of the twelve, was not there. And so when the other disciples come and they say, we have seen the Lord, he says, unless I see the nails in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. And so... Thomas really clearly says, I don't believe you, <laughs> and I need to see for myself. So, my question is, what specifically does Thomas need in order to believe the claims of the other disciples? Like, what at the heart of it is he really saying that he doesn't believe in what he needs? Evidence is what I would say. Yeah, and, and physical evidence. Physical evidence, and mm-hmm. good for Thomas. Yeah. And, you know, like, we're all better off for Thomas's need for evidence because... And for himself. Uh, not somebody else's story about physical yeah. evidence. He he wanted to see it. I, mean, I think Thomas represents a lot of people, and mm-hmm. and Thomas asking those questions, needing that physical evidence, getting it, being a disciple and apostle, uh, I think is a really important pathway for a lot of people who also that's their path. Like they mm-hmm. they need to explore the evidence for the resurrection, and 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 can find that mm-hmm. there's plenty. You mm-hmm. know. Um, so here's to you, Thomas. And yeah. we get to see that Jesus meets him there. Yeah. I just think it's interesting. I mean, there's there's a group of them that have been together. They've seen lots of things happen together. They've seen the miraculous occur. And then <laughs> for some reason, Thomas just isn't there. And they all tell him when he gets there, hey, you missed it. Jesus <laughs> appeared to us. <laughs> he came through that locked door and he was right here. And he's Talk like, Talk about bad timing. Yeah. <laughs> That's Thomas's real problem is timing. Yeah. He's the bad timing. Thomas, <laughs> Tom, Thomas the absent. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know where he was. It must have been important. Yeah. And it's interesting how after they have done so much life together and witnessed so many things together that he doesn't believe them. Maybe that's why yeah, he he's doesn't like, believe yeah, them. Like, I know like, you guys. We know the disciples were messes. You know, like, I know which, you tricky Thaddeus. <laughs> maybe Thomas is the one they always pranked because he was always not there. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, they're always playing jokes on him. That's so good though because these are real people. You exactly. know? Yeah. That's what these I'm saying. Like people. the disciples 
disciples were messes like we are. But the other thing that I would say, like, yeah, good for you, Thomas, and good for us because of you, Thomas, is like, hey, if you're going to bank your life, your future, and place your hope in someone, having a little evidence is not a bad thing. That's mm-hmm. wisdom, right? Like, there's some wisdom in making sure you're you're going all in on, on something that's uh, trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because think about where this is in the grand scheme of things. Like, he's been mourning at this point, you know, and probably... No, we don't know where he's been. (laughs) Wherever he's been. He's sad, probably. Uh, Well, I think it's important what you said, Randy, that uh, good for us, thankful for him. Um, That's just so true. I think we are just like Thomas in so many ways. He has the nickname of being Doubting Thomas, but... There are plenty of people in the Bible who wrestle with big questions, and so do we. And so I think he's a great example for us, and we'll see Jesus respond to him. But my next thought is just, what do you do when you have big questions about your faith, or you're in the midst of something that you're not quite sure, you know, how God is working or what he's doing? What do you do? I mean, one thing is, like, I think it's important to go to the Bible as the ultimate authority. Like that is the absolute truth and that is where to find the truth and to sort through whatever my questions are. I think it can be helpful to seek out wise counsel. Um, But a lot of times for me, sometimes what has caused those questions might be other voices speaking into something. And so sometimes the first thing I have to do is ask God to quiet all of the other voices, including my own, and help me to discern his voice above everything else. And then, you know, go about maybe seeking wise counsel, obviously digging into the Bible for myself. But I kind of have to set that filter in place first. I think one of the things that um, that I take from Thomas, and I think it becomes a pattern for us of what we do when we have big questions, is we we don't hide them, mm-hmm. right? Don't hide them and feel like I'm the only one that thinks this. I'm the only one that's thought through this. I'm the only one that's struggling with this. I think doubts and questions can cause us to move into isolation because we're afraid that if we come out with these, that we'll be looked at differently or less faithful or, you know, Mm -hmm. and Thomas is, he's willing to live this out loud. He's Mm -hmm. like indignant a little bit, you know, and I'm not saying be, be that posture, but I'm just saying like, bring them out to the community of believers, bring them into your crowd. Bring them among your friends and the people you're following Jesus with and walk through them together um, because ultimately that's that's what we need. We need that kind of community and we need to interpret these things in community and not in isolation. Mm-hmm. Well, I, when you continue <laughs> when you continue to read, uh, we see that a week later, the disciples are all together again. So, so Thomas sits in this for about a week before Jesus decides to show up. Again, the doors are locked. Jesus comes and stands among them, and he says, Peace be with you. I can't help but imagine that he has some fun with this. <laughs> uh, and he says to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. See, this is how I imagine it. Jesus isn't actually having fun with it. But Michelle misreads it, and she's like, <laughs> <laughs> She starts laughing. And he says, Put your hand in my side. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> laughing Michelle. Thomas Thomas responds by saying, My Lord and my God. So he responds with belief. 
now that he's seen Jesus. So my question is kind of two thoughts here. You know, what does Jesus' interaction teach us about how we should deal with our own doubts and questions? And then how can engaging with our own, our questions and doubts help us to develop a more authentic, meaningful faith? Every time we go through a season of questions and doubts um, and, and come out on the other side of it, I, you come out stronger and with more ownership, you know? And so I think really on the front end, if we can remember that and see it as a, a season of, of fortifying and testing and really an opportunity for growth, mm-hmm. uh, just knowing that, that it really does, it, it, it really brings us to that place of ownership and, 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 and depth yeah. and, and just really seeing it for the positive that it can be. I think I also learn that we can take those questions and even doubts to Jesus. Like, I don't have to be ashamed to take that to him. And I mean, just last week in my prayer journal is written the words like, I'm telling Jesus what he's done, what I believe, and then I finish it with help my unbelief. Like, I Mm. also confess where I'm having a hard time and where I'm not able to see what he's doing. And like the way it went that time that I prayed it, like after that, Jesus and I had the best time together and like he showed me some stuff, you know, but I, I pray that on a semi-regular basis, help my unbelief. Well, you know, I want, I want to foster that kind of culture in our, our home because I want my, I want my kids to know uh, that it's safe mm-hmm. and it's safe mm-hmm. to have doubts and questions and to ask them and for us to wrestle through things together. And, uh, and it, it feels really necessary for us because our middle daughter, she's a deep thinker and, mm-hmm. and she comes up with thoughts and questions that are pretty significant sometimes. And man, I don't want to wrestle through and those she alone. She likes evidence. And- she does like evidence. Yeah. She would, she would not necessarily be doubting Thomas, but she would definitely be prove it to me. <laughs> Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when I think about Jesus' response, I think about all throughout the Gospels, there are times where he teaches things that are almost intentionally vague. And there's there's a few interactions where the, it says like the crowds walk away because they don't understand him. And there are a few, the disciples or some of them, who press in and they ask him for they ask him questions. Hey, what does this mean? Hey, tell us about this. And he responds to them because he's really trying to get them to, to dig in, to like really try to understand. And he's trying to teach them. And so I just think about, man, how does Jesus respond to them? How does he respond to Thomas? And it reminds me like what you said a second ago, Randy, of like, don't hide our questions. Jesus wants to meet us in them. And I do think questions are a good thing if they cause us to more deeply consider what we believe and, and why we believe. And I just, I love that Jesus isn't harsh with him. He just says, hey, here, look. <clears throat> and uh, he meets him right there in the midst of it. And it, I, I guarantee you, when we have open questions, like you say, and we foster that relationship and environment in our families, but also in our church and in our communities, it develops a more authentic, real faith. Yeah, it's good. And and I think you're right. I, I don't see anything harsh in Jesus' response. It literally starts with peace, mm-hmm. right? So peace be with you. I think this is a yeah. really gentle and loving response from hey, Jesus. Hey, 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 calm down, chill, chill. And at the same time, he says with clarity, stop, mm-hmm. stop doubting and believe. Here I am. Here's the evidence. Yeah. And and I think he's. I think he does the same with us. I think it's a gentle response where he brings peace to our hearts. But there's also a point where he says, "Okay, you've worked through it. Mm-hmm. Now stop yeah. and keep believing." Mm. 
Well, I also wanted us to read, there's an interaction with Jesus in Mark chapter 9, and there's a father who comes to Jesus whose son is possessed by uh, a, an evil spirit. Oh, I jumped And he, <laughs> he uh, comes to Jesus and asks for help. And so Jesus, I'll just read verse 21. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? He said, from childhood. He has often thrown him into a fire or water to try to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. First of all, I just love Jesus' response because he says, if you can, said Jesus. <laughs> he says, hey, if you can do anything to help us, Jesus, could you please take pity and help us? And Jesus said, if you can, you huh? Can? Well, everything is possible for one who believes is his response. And I love this father. He's just so honest. He said, immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And I just think there's <laughs> that's such a powerful statement. I just want to know, have you ever had moments like that where you felt both belief and doubt at the same time? Or you felt like, man, God, I believe you, but help me to overcome my questions or my unbelief maybe in this particular area. I think it's hard for us to understand belief and unbelief at the same time. Um, so I, I, I kind of want us to talk some more through what that really even looks like for them to coexist. Like we've been laughing around our house lately because a couple of different times my youngest daughter recently has said some really funny things. Like one day recently she said something along the lines of, uh, man, I'm not sleepy but I, and, and I'm so tired. And we were like, what? <laughs> what does that mean? Like, I believe, I don't believe, I'm sleeping, I'm not tired. And then another time it was like, man, I, I am so full, but I am, I am hungry. So like just recently, these two things, right? And, daddy's girl. And we walked. No, no, I'm just, I'm just sleepy and hungry. Just straight up. Are you related to Randy the Hungry? <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? Like you hear those kinds of things. I'm really still not sure what those two meant, but what does it mean to believe and not believe at the same time? Yeah. I think for what my mind immediately goes to, because those sound so foreign, I think what's the most um, clear in front of me of my own experience is like, man, I have full confidence in Jesus and his teachings and the fact that I, I know who he is and what he's promised to do in me. And yet I still worry. Mm -hmm. I still mm -hmm. wrestle with anxiety. And I think about the disciples in the boat. They know who this guy is for the most part. They trust him. They they And when the storm is hitting the boat, they wake him up because they know, we, we believe you can do something about this. But they have forgotten that he, for some reason, they just don't think he cares about them in that moment. Yeah. Well, and Ashley and I have talked a ton about that, that uh, we really feel like that's what we've learned is that we believe he can. Mm -hmm. We don't know that we believe he will, mm -hmm. you know? Yes. And um, and that's really a lot of where we live. And I think all of us live in that space where we're wrestling with. And there's some people that are wrestling with. Can he? Right. And that's an important. That's an important thing to to come to some conclusions on. Conclusions on. But I think we always kind of live in that. Will he? Will he? Mm. Yeah. And honestly, the whole not sleepy but tired thing. Like I do get, and I would think plenty of people who have maybe dealt with anxiety also get like there really are times that your body is just about ready to give out that your mind is done that it's toast that you need sleep you are tired but maybe that same mind 
won't let you fall asleep. Like Mm. those thoughts just keep going. And so that makes me think about what you were talking about, Joseph, like, and and it is my experience, like in my prayer journaling last week, like I, I really was writing out, like, here's what I know, here's the truth that I know, and here's what I've seen you do before. This is where, this is my question, you know, help my unbelief. And so, like, I, I do get how those things can simultaneously exist. Yeah. I think what's hard to understand is how you could believe and not believe in the same exact thing. Yeah. You know, and that's part of what I love about the conversation is I think it, I think it, it speaks to the complexity right, of, of how complex situations often are, mm-hmm. but also how complex our understanding and emotion is, you know, and I think we want to make it black and white when in reality, uh, there's there's so many things going on inside of us at the same time, you know, like I can have, uh, we want it to be like all or nothing, but I have parts of me that are there and parts of me that are struggling. Mm-hmm. And I think dealing with that complexity that's going on inside of each of us internally, honestly, is helpful. Yeah. Well, after, you know, Thomas has his doubts and Jesus or shows him he's real he's alive and he responds with faith what jesus says next to him is says he tells him because you have seen me you have believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed so jesus has a statement that's saying blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe and then john immediately goes from these words of jesus to john's own words and he says jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not included in this book But these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by leaving you may have life in his name. So I just have this thought, Thomas needed to see Jesus for himself in order to believe. What does it look like for for us to see Jesus for ourselves? Watching the chosen. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Like he doesn't take their word for it. And so Jesus says, Right in front of you. Here you go. Well, and I like that because now Jesus is talking about us, mm-hmm. right? Like He's we are the ones. To us, yeah. yeah, we are the ones who have not seen and yet believe. Um, and so, for us to see Jesus for ourselves, um, you know, I mean, there's so many things that God has given us as a grace that allow us that. Which, again, I was joking about the chosen, but the chosen is built and based on the gospel, and the gospel is a gift, right? The 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 revelation uh, of the word that has been written, recorded, and kept for us is the greatest way for us to see Jesus. But it's just, it's it's the greatest, but it's just a way that we can see Jesus for ourselves. I think another way is evidence of the Holy Spirit. Like once we step over the line of faith and become Christ followers, we have the Holy Spirit inside us. Like that's why Jesus said, it's better for me to leave because I'm sending you my spirit. And so... Like, I feel like I most see Jesus for myself when I am most aware of the Holy Spirit either working through me or working through somebody else, seeing how um, how His presence is just so evident in His Spirit. Mm-hmm. When as I think about it too, like just other gifts that God has given us to give us this reflection or this glimpse of Jesus— uh, it makes me think about where we're actually going next after we finish this series that wraps up the book of John. Uh, we're going into a marriage series that's really not just for married people, but also for unmarried people. And essentially what the Bible tells us is that, that God created this, and it is a reflection of the love of God in Christ. And and it gives the world a glimpse, you know, an imperfect glimpse of unconditional love, which ultimately points us to the gospel of grace. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. When I think about the idea of see Jesus for ourselves, I think our current example and context of what it would look like for, for Thomas is I think about God's word. I mean, I think, you know, he's saying, like, I don't want to, I'm not going to believe you. I'm not going to take your word, your word for it. And so Jesus, he meets with Jesus directly. And I just think we have a gift in the Bible. We have a gift in Jesus' own words in the Gospel of John that we are reading. And just what it looks like, there's almost nothing more powerful in my own experience in ministry of, man, I want to counsel you, I want to answer your questions that you have about life and faith and all the things, but there's almost no equivalent to, let's just read Jesus' words together and let you see them for yourself. Mm -hmm. Go on to the source. Yeah. But we also, I mean, yes, and again, I'll go with it's the greatest, right? But we also have the gift of the church, Mm -hmm. right? That Thomas and these other guys turned around and, and built mm-hmm. piece by piece, life by life after Jesus ascended back into heaven. And, and the gift of the church has gone on since the ascension of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and we've got that, right? Like it goes all the way back to this and it's got a million different paths that it takes. Um, but man, mm-hmm. what, a, what a gift for us to see Jesus in his bride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can draw a line directly from this room and these interactions to us today, which is crazy. My last thought is, you know, we life is full of questions and, and maybe even doubts along the way in regards to our faith. What are some practical steps we can take to strengthen our faith while working through our questions? How would you advise somebody to navigate their questions and doubts? I mean, I'd reiterate one we already hit on, and that's don't go alone. Yeah, me too. That I was going to say, shameless plug, but get into a small group. Mm-hmm. Like, And I think when you can be in a group of people who are hearing and reading the same truth and then like digesting it together and asking your questions together and hearing different perspectives and and going to other places in the Bible that speak into the same thing, um, I think that is one of the most practical things we can do. To strengthen our faith while working through our questions. And I'll reiterate another one we've already touched on, which is uh, be optimistic that it's an opportunity for growth. Mm-hmm. You know, like don't see the glass half empty, see it half full. That's, yeah, that's the thing. Like questions, doubt, however you want to phrase it, that can either encourage you or discourage you. Like it can either encourage you into digging into it for yourself, going to the source, seeking wise counsel, interpreting it in community and coming out on the other side stronger and healthier than you were before you had the questions or it can discourage you to say I don't get it I'm not going to I I can't I don't know the answer and like honestly become stubborn and that stubbornness isn't going to lead you anywhere well and speaking of that like I want to say something I think is a little direct and I hope that it comes across uh, with as much sensitivity as I intend for it to, but that's, don't be lazy, right? Like if, if your doubts are big and your questions are big and your faith is meaningful, don't be lazy about it and actually do the work of research, do the work of reading, do the work of studying and learning um, because there's a whole lot of brilliant people that have been working on evidence for our faith and our claims for years and years and years. Uh, it's out there. If you haven't found it, you're not looking, you know? Like, so I'm not saying, again, I want that to be sensitive because, like, yes, this, this is powerful and meaningful and, and it should be approached uh, with, with sensitivity. But at the same time, it's like lean in, do the work is what I'm trying to say. Mm. I think I just want to speak to every person who feels like they have questions or 
doubt that they currently are working through or that comes up at some point in the future just to be reminded like you said you want to build this this environment that that openly is willing to talk through things or a church that's willing to but i I guarantee you there are plenty of people listening who didn't grow up in that type of environment Mm -hmm. who when when questions come up or doubts that they question their own faith to the core am i weak am i um don't do i not have the gift of faith like other people and it came with a sense of shame yeah yeah Yeah. and what i just want them to hear is that is natural that's a part of life and just be reminded how jesus responded to those who had questions and even doubt yeah he met them right in the midst of it and that's really the heart of today for the one who questions if that's you and you've got questions jesus wants to meet you in it and don't be afraid god is not afraid of your questions Mm And you don't have to be ashamed of them either. So don't go alone. But, you know, I think well, about... And, and I think the other piece of that is like not just being authentic with others, but being authentic with God. And mm-hmm. I like that you yeah. talked about that. God's not afraid of our questions. He's also big enough, right? And and, and I'm not going to say that God's not ever offended in a sense. Um, but man, if he was going to be offended by me and he and he has been, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of other things too, mm-hmm. right? It's not just my questions, it's my sins. It's my, you know, I mean, there's so many things that we do that are offensive in a sense to a holy God. And mm-hmm. so like, don't be afraid of that. He loves you anyway. And he mm-hmm. knows all of it. Anyway. And he knows all of it. Yeah. So, so you, you might, might as well, well just take be. it to him. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, we just had this Why conversation. Why not go to the source to help you sort it out? Yeah. And I think it's true. Like we had this conversation recently at home about like, man, my God concept tells me that when I sin, that he's where I run. I run to him, not away from him. I run with my sin to him. And I think it's the exact same thing with our questions. Like the the reflex is to hide. And, and when you really understand who God is, instead of hiding from him, you run to him. And I think it's the same with our questions. Like when you understand the nature of God and you question him, you run to him, not from him. That's good. Man, I think about all the other guys who were in the room when Thomas was missing. They just... Uh, Missed the bullet. <laughs> Could have been them. Could have been them. Yeah, like if they were, if they were pottying Peter and they were just out in the bathroom, you know, like oh man, what did I miss while I was <laughs> taking like, care of business? Like we don't know that they have like extraordinary faith. They just saw Jesus yeah, before they Thomas. Just, did. They just didn't happen to be going number two. <laughs> oh, well, thanks for that, hunger, Andy, and. <laughs> Inappropriate, Michelle. <laughs> no, laughing. it's laughing, Michelle. Laughing, laughing. laughing. I'm sorry. Laughing. Michelle, where'd Michelle Joseph go? Michelle the laugher. He's gone. Where's Joseph? <laughs> then Joseph is disappearing. All right. Well, thanks for listening so much. We hope you have a great small group, and we'll catch you next week.